everyone, and welcome to another edition of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by my good friend, Patrick Corain, and uh, as you might expect, you know, we we kind of had trouble sticking to one topic. Of course, we talked about uh, the NFL and some of our fantasy football teams. We talked a little a little top shot, a little crypto, and kind of just went around the horn in a long-ranging conversation, very similar uh, to that episode with Joe Holka last week, which a lot of you guys gave me some feedback and said that you enjoyed. And, uh, you know, of course, this is my program, and so sometimes it's just going to be uh, chatting with your buddies, which I think is uh, honestly a, a pretty good platform for podcasts in general and uh yeah if you guys want to support the show you can subscribe to extra episodes on patreon.com slash takecast and you can also just leave a rating or review on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts now let's go ahead and get into the episode all right everyone welcoming in my buddy pat corain the peacock from nbc sports edge uh you know we we did over the off season we did a bunch of episodes of the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Show, but during the regular season, we we haven't really had a ton of time to chat with each other. And and the last couple of weeks, I've talked to Pete, I've talked to Holka, and people said they really enjoyed those episodes. I think they like when when bros just just bro out. Um, I think that I think that's a genre of podcasting that people really like. So so that's the idea here. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. Yeah, I think it's it's more than a genre. It probably makes up seventy percent of all seventy percent so. of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was actually thinking about that the other day. Like some podcasts I listen to, I have uh, very little familiarity with like whatever it is they're talking about. I just enjoy uh, the interplay between the hosts. Like I'm just like you, you guys are you guys are my friends and you, you don't even know it. But I've uh, no, you know, been, I there are probably like three shows that I listen to like every episode of and have for for years and years. Yeah. And those people are your friends. That's the magic of the whole format. You know, you're just it friends is. with these people. Yeah. What, what, uh, what is your favorite non-football podcast? Uh, how did this get made? It's probably my favorite. It's a comedy that, podcast. Okay. I was going to say, is that under the, the stuff you should know banner? No, it's a, uh, it's a bad movie review podcast. Uh, Jason Manzukis, um, uh, June Diane Raphael. Floor's yours. Yeah. My favorite podcast is probably how did this get made? Uh, for non-football stuff it's a uh it's a comedy podcast with uh paul Shear, jason manzoukas and june diane rapiel and they uh they review bad movies they basically make fun of bad movies but it's in kind of a loving way um you know because they really enjoy watching bad movies so kind of the good bad movie genre i love i love jason manzoukas he is he is the best i i i think i've actually heard of of that show before but that guy that guy is 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 one of the best that's actually a whole subgenre of podcasts in and of itself which is uh podcasts about bad movies like that like that's yeah. not even that's not even the only bad movie podcast there's like another one that's like super successful and has like they all make a living off of their patreon and stuff yeah, it's uh, it's fun, you know. It's like you're you're kind of like I, I don't even watch all the movies. I've watched some of them. Um, some are like just so bad you kind of have to see them. But uh, you know, it's just like fun to hear them kind of like just joking around, having a good time, making fun of this bad movie. It's it kind of you know hits that that element we we're talking about with um, you know just kind of being in the room while people are having fun. But it's also just like a great jumping off point for their comedy and Jason is the star of that show. I mean, he's just he's so funny. 
he's so funny and he's so outrageous and uh kind of paul paul's job is to sort of set jason up for you know just to just to allow him to keep going with outrageous uh you know kind of high energy comedy uh june and raphael is also incredibly funny a lot of the stuff she does she, she'll be kind of confused by some of the more outlandish parts of the movie so that's a i highly recommend that podcast i've seen him live a couple times that's a good one it's a it, the the whole podcast industry is is so fascinating like the fact that like live shows are are such a thing and like in it's it's much less of a thing i think probably uh well maybe this is in york but there's like a whole like subculture in like los angeles of like patreon podcasters who like their whole bit is like they make a living via patreon doing their podcast and i only know about that um you know not because anyone i know does it but because one of the podcasts I listen to talking Simpsons, they are in that, like that California culture. And they have like all these other people who do Patreon paywall podcasts on, on their show. It's like, it's just, it's just so insane that that podcasting has become uh, this whole, really, it is kind of like a decentralized industry, which uh, I guess is, is one of the, uh, one of the, one of the things that people love about the internet right now. Well, like one of my other favorite ones, uh, it's called Dead Eyes. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, this guy, Connor Ratcliffe, who is like not particularly well known. Uh, he, Pete, Pete actually turned me on to their improv group called the Step Stepfathers, um, which is a, a UCB improv group. And yeah, he recommended that I see them a while back. They're awesome. And kind of just been following him. Uh, and he created this podcast about how Tom Hanks fired him from band of brothers because he had quote dead eyes. So he like literally, this is like crazy story where he was cast. Then he like went back, he met Tom Hanks. He had to like re audition in front of Tom Hanks. And then he was let go from the production. And like, he's just trying to figure out what happened. So he's like interviewing all these people, but then it also becomes this jumping off point for him to, talk to other actors about kind of their own dead eye stories. He gets like John Hamm on there, he gets all these other actors to talk about that. And then he, I mean, it kind of just like keeps going. It, he, he kind of has this, like at one point, a goal to find the real man who he was cast to play and like learn about his whole story, which is that whole stretch is just absolutely incredible. So the decentralized point, like no one would ever green light this for anything. You know Never. I mean? It's just no. like, it's, it's total like just navel gazing. Like, why did this happen to me is basically the whole point of the podcast. But then because he's funny and talented and he has funny and talented friends, it, it morphs into this incredible podcast that like, I don't think Connor could have even, you know, predicted that it would become. So I think it's just, it's like, no one, no one has to approve it. And then you can just keep experimenting until it turns into something amazing. Yeah. And we, I mean, look, we all, we all love to be, entertained we all have uh you know way more time than ever to be entertained because like the the nature of work you know is is really changing because in america you know specifically in the united states we don't manufacture anything so like you know fewer and fewer jobs are like you know you go to the steel mill and work uh 13 hours i mean there i am sure there are I mean, I, I know there are, there are still steel mills. There are still people who build things with their hands, you know, but like every year in the United States, lineups, the, we're building yeah, lineups. Yeah. We're building lineups. I mean, the number, the number of people who go to, to work and, and do, and build things is, is lower than ever. And also like, 
it's it's just become more culturally acceptable to like not have a boss to do what Pete's doing, you know, to do what Pete right. and what Holka are doing. And, you know, Pete and Holka are, are, are super busy guys, but I mean, their hope would be uh, in, in five years or whatever to be far less busy and to have, uh, you know, two really like two shows a week that generate a lot of income, um, which again, allows for us to have more time. Like uh, Andy, uh, who's been on this show before from Fractional was tweeting about this the other day. Like the idea of like monitoring worker productivity and being like, you got to be logged on 40 hours a week is like so absurd. Just like let the work be done. If it takes you two hours in a week, you got the work done uh, and, and enjoy your free time. And if it takes you more, it takes you more. Like I, I'm, I, I'm very, I'm very into that, which is interesting because you literally work shifts at, at NBC sports edge, like you, you literally do shift work, which is wild in the world of fantasy football. That's true. Although the shift work is a small percentage of the work that I'm putting in. Um, I have a shift, uh, I have a Wednesday morning shift from eight to one and a Friday afternoon shift. And then Sundays I'm covering games as well. Um, and then I'm doing like a podcast Sunday and I do a recap podcast right, right after the four o'clock games end I start doing that which isn't exactly shift work but you know it's like a thing that has to be done that night and everyone who covered the games for us jumps on and talks to me about the games but that's like pretty fun you're just like talking about the games I'm literally like learning about the stuff that I need to learn about so it's barely work but the new stuff is is like true shift work the first shift work I've ever done like in my entire career because my previous job I was a project manager and it was very much kind of like a get your work done. You have to be around to answer emails and, and like pings and all that. But uh, for the most part, it was like a get your work done and stuff needed to get done sort of by the, the week or even the month rather than like by the day. So the new stuff, um, more than anything I've ever done is like, you have to have this thing on the site. Like if Schefter tweets, like it's got to go up on the site within a couple of minutes. Like you're kind of, you're kind of blowing it. If, if Schefter's tweeted something big and then we don't have a headline up. So um, it's been, you know, different, but that part of it, at least so far I've enjoyed because it's like such like a complete mindset shift away from the writing. And so it's honestly like a little bit of a, a break from the, you know, the rest of the week, I'm like deep in the lab, you know, digging through spreadsheets, coming up with everything that I'm, I'm writing for the walkthrough, or I'm just writing. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's not immediate, you're like thinking, you're trying to come right. up with, you know, you're trying to predict what's going to happen. You're really, uh, you know, both like, trying to come up with all this data, trying to process all this data, but then ultimately, like, say something that's actually going to happen and be right hopefully um we're with the new stuff you're just kind of reading and reacting so this is your this is your first year doing fantasy football like you've always you know you've always you guys have done ship chasing for a long time you've done you know rotaviz stuff um you know i did you ever do four for four i don't uh like like written articles and stuff for them i we wrote a little bit for four for four because ship chasing was with four for four so we did like um a few articles over there um but most of, most of my analysis stuff has been for Rotoviz, uh, ETR, and, and then now NBC. So what is what is your 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 ten weeks in plus the preseason into uh, having fantasy football be your full time job? Uh, 
what like is the is the shine off the apple like does it does there are some days where it's amazing from my perspective is there are some days where it's amazing and i'm just like i'd be doing this stuff anyways you know i'd, I'd be working on the waiver wire anyways and then there are some days where i'm like i could not possibly care less if rashad bateman deserves a 20 percent target share or an 18 percent target share <laughs> so i'm just you. gonna yeah um so so what is what has your experience been like going from you know a, a part-timer to this is this is literally your livelihood yeah, I like my whole thing is that I'm sort of I don't know that I'm all that great at kind of like the dictating what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? Like I'm just it still felt like I just want to keep doing this. Like I haven't lost that that urge to just like keep doing it and I'm I'm very much like a completionist, so like I make sure to watch like I ne- I never let myself just like not watch one of the island games. Like I always go back and I watch the island game because I almost feel like if I break that kind of streak of it you know it's kind of like I'm not fully in it then I won't be able to kind of like keep it going to where like I need to be fully in it to be fully motivated I think so you know I have to watch all the games I'm covering a game on Sunday I also have red zone going that do the do the recap podcast so I feel like I really have a great understanding of what happened I watch all the island games not always live, but I always go back and watch them. Um, so I just feel like I'm very on top of it. And so far, you know, I feel like I haven't, the shine is not off the apple. It's like, I mean, I've been, part of it is that like with this new article I'm doing, um, comes out on Fridays and it's like yeah, a the Friday article is really good. Thanks. Yeah. And I put like way too much time into it. (laughs) So that's been kind of a thing of uh, like the constant battle has been, how do I do more of this on Monday so that I don't, you know, get so burned out on Thursday where I end up like staying up way too late Thursday night just to get the article out. And then sometimes I don't even get the article out on time on Friday. So that like last week I got the article out. This was the best I've done. I got it. It, it, posted at 7 a.m. on Friday morning, um, which is ideal because then, you know, everyone can read it in the morning as well as in the afternoon and everything. But with that schedule, like I was not in bed all that much before the article went went live. So um, I'm still like trying to, I'm like battling how to get that done sooner. Going to two bye weeks this week after we had four last week is not helping. I'm not 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 a fan of that. But uh But that's been the big thing of like, I don't, right now it's been good. I just need to like get a handle on this a little bit better so that I don't end up getting burned out. And it's been this, this constant push and pull because like I found some new stats this week that I want to incorporate. So that's like, but that's now going to kind of put me behind schedule a little bit, but I also don't want to like part of the fun for me in doing this is that, you know, if I find some cool new stats, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to work them in, try to find, you know, try to be better at this, try to predict what's going to happen a little bit better. Um, and the article's new. No one told me what it's supposed to look like. I can kind of make it whatever I want. So kind of iterating on it, experimenting with it is a, a lot of the the enjoyment for me. So it's kind of tough because the things that end up costing me time end up pushing it back um, end up making it longer, which it definitely does not need to be, are also some of the things that make me motivated to do it in the first place. Well, which is kind of the, that's kind of like why you have to love it in the first place. And then it's also kind of like, uh, why a, a lot of, a lot of, 
um, you know, fantasy content is like automated, like tables and stuff, you know, like uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, Rotoviz, they do a lot of stuff where they're writing and, but you know, they're like, uh, they have all those tools and the Monday report and everything that's like generated. And that's uh, really hard to do, you know, obviously when you are doing it for the first time. And, and I, I, to be honest, I got burnt out on doing the writing stuff. You know, I was doing uh, for the last two years, I was doing, uh, five, five articles a week. And this year I'm doing none. It's I'm, I'm, it's all, uh, TV. It's all audio visual. Cause it, and I, I mean, I've been doing fantasy for a long time, like even, even longer, like I've been doing like weekly articles since I was like 19 and I'm almost 30 now. So it's just been, it's been a, a long process. And I also, um, prefer to engage with, with fantasy sports content via, uh, you know, audio visual. Like I, I listen to, you know, ship chasing every single week, uh, and, and listen to it during the off season, but I, I don't read a ton of fantasy content. Uh, like it, your legendary RB series. I read this off season, but like, even like Sean stuff, like I don't read every article that Sean does anymore. I should, um, you know, but I, but I don't, uh, which is, I I'm also wondering this, has your fantasy information diet changed since doing it for, a living like are you are you still listening to as many shows or still reading as much stuff this season as you have in years past it's changed a lot yeah um i'm not and i i struggle with reading too and like even for stuff like stealing signals i've asked ben to you know like hey can you do audio for this so that i can just like just blast it into my brain because <laughs> that's the the thing with the audio is one i think i process information better by listening to it um, and then two, I can put it at like 1.5 or 1.75 and just like pour it into my brain, you know? And so <clears throat> I struggle with reading. There's a ton of great content out there. I struggle with being able to read it. Plus, you know, until about Friday morning or Friday afternoon, but then I have a new shift that, that runs all Friday afternoon. So really until about like Friday evening, I'm not taking in that much content um th there's some stuff that i'll i'll take in like um stat chasing uh stealing signals like some of the some of the great like review stuff um i'll try to at least get some of because uh that can be really helpful like i referenced stealing signals a bunch in the walkthrough just you know it's like there's a, a shift in workload stuff i'm like i know ben covered this like so i'll just you know quote him Right. Um, and so, or Sam Hoppin's been doing stat chasing for us this year, which, which has been incredible. So getting like a sense of like, you know, stuff that happened the last week that maybe is, is missing in the data that I'm looking at, which is primarily season long data, um, or at least like longer trend data, um, that can be really helpful, but mostly I'm coming into the weekend, um, either just looking at like that or, um, or DFS focused content. So like Pete's, uh, GPP lineup review, I always check out, uh, Leone and, and Levitan doing the, the lineup review stuff. But then it's basically like, I take, I feel like I'm pretty well covered on like, you know, what's happening in terms of the matchups. So then a lot of the content that I listen to from that point on is DFS focused. Yeah. And well, and, and DFS, I guess, tends to also be like kind of, um, 
like a little bit more, a little bit more interesting. And you also need like a little bit more help reasoning through it too. Cause like seasonal, seasonal stuff, you know, a lot of your decisions are going to be kind of preordained and the, the DFS stuff is, is sort of like, you know, I don't really know. I don't really know coming into Sunday what I'm going to do, but like with my seasonal teams, I, it, it feels it's so, um, though, there's like a better word for this. Uh, like wrote, it's just like, I, I just like know yeah. what, I just know what I'm going to do. Right. Like I know like, okay, I'm going to bid on these guys and I'm going to bid on them at X amount. And I just have been doing this for so long. Uh, and, and, and so much of it is out of my control too. Right. With seasonal stuff, it's kind of just like, well, I hope my guys score the right amount of points in the right weeks. And I hope that my start sits are correct. Uh, but, but a lot of it has been taken out of my hands. Whereas with DFS, you know, it's, it's fresh and it's new and it's exciting. Like, you know, we spent, we spent six months in the off season working on our best ball teams and our, our main event teams. And then when the season hits, you're kind of just like, well, I, you know, I hope, I, I hope we run hot because it's DFS, multiple it's choice. Gonna... Yeah. Right. That's what se- season long is multiple choice. Like you can, like you can get the answer wrong, but sometimes it's like, you know, it's like A, B, C, or D. And then all of them, you flip it over and they're all terrible. <laughs> You know, it's not like, it's not even like you had a path, you know, you might just have like no good flex options on your roster that week. Um, with DFS, this has been the most I've been into DFS. Um, I started taking a lot more seriously last year, but this year I think has been like just even more compelling. Um, and I've been more into it. And I think like, that's one of the things that's helped me keep engaged with the season is that like DFS you know, and I'm doing mostly small field GPPs, but I'll do like, sometimes I'll, I'll expand to like the biggest I'll get is about the big spy, um, like 4,000, 5,000 entries, but primarily I'm trying to keep it about a, a thousand or under, but you get like the, the freshness of everything The you know, there's always like a million different ways to play each slate, seeing how everyone else is going to play it. Like I actually enjoy the process of like, I bring in everything that I wrote in the walkthrough and then you're like, Oh, you know, I, I had Travis Kelsey as the cover boy. And then I go, I look at DFS on Friday and he's priced way too low. Everyone's going to play him chalk option. It's like, well, like throw out, I got to throw out my cover boy. Like now I got to think of something else and being able to, or being forced to kind of like just ignore something that you wrote up. Like It's kind of, it's like kind of fun because it's like a, you know, it's a challenge. Like you can't just stick with whatever you think is going to happen. Like you have to actually process all this new information about what everyone else thinks is going to happen and how they're going to play that and how this puzzle kind of all fits together. And it ends up being like, like a very, very fun part of the, the week for me is building those lineups and kind of getting a sense of the slate, but that's all very condensed. I tend to do that like basically Saturday night into Sunday morning. Yeah. I mean, say like, I, I don't, I don't like, you know, finalize anything until Sunday morning. I mean, so this, this last Sunday I hadn't even um, set up like a cash game shell or anything until Sunday morning. Is that a real thing? I thought that was a bit that Pete made up. Oh <laughs> no, that's, that's no, that's real. That Pete, that is a, that is a bit that, that, that Pete took from real life and, and which is the best, the best bits are just things that other people do unironically that you then do ironically. I think that's one of the things <laughs> that makes Pete so funny is that, is that he understands that. But uh, I mean, I, I honestly probably really wouldn't even play DK cash if we didn't still do the Gilcast. but people, people love it. I mean, that's the, it's the show I do that has, 
that gets the most listens every single week, which is funny because it's not even, it's not really that big of like a learning thing, but that it, it's just the, it's, it, that's, it's actually what we were talking about at the beginning, which is just people just like to listen to dudes being friends right. or, or people being friends. Like that is, that is what, um, that is so much of what drives content, especially like now, um, you know, like I, I definitely do not leave my house near as much as, as I used to. I mean, just like, I, like, I, I don't sweat COVID stuff every single day, you know, the way I would have a year ago. Like, I'm not, uh, like if I, if I don't have a mask and I'm at the gas station, like sometimes I'll run in or, you know, like it, it's, it's, it's not sweating as much, but I think it's just like this pattern of behavior that is like stretching for everybody. Like it just, people just want to be inside less than ever. And so you just, you see your friends a little bit less often. Um, yeah, which for is, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of changed my like attitude about like indoor spaces where like before that's just like where you were. And now it's like, is this worth it? You know? And sometimes it's worth it, but it's not always worth it. <laughs> so that key. And I think in general, like, I've, you know, I, I've always worked from home. Not always. I, I used to go in the office, like, um, but it's been a long time. Uh, so I've worked from home for a number of years now. So I've kind of in a routine that's like pretty home focused. Um, it's all meet up with friends, like usually, you know, on the weekends and stuff, uh, but it's much harder in season, uh, you know, because if, if I'm kind of just like out of it on Friday night, that's like, I've got, I basically got Saturday night. I always wake up early for Sunday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely tougher to, to actually see people during the season. So yeah, the podcasts, um, you know, <laughs> it's like a little, that's maybe the saddest thing ever that this is like, uh, your social life a little bit, listening to podcasts. So I, so I think you're, you're right. It is like kind of one of these things where, like our, our, like, uh, like social energy is just so burnt out by the, like by, by Friday. It's like, and, and also all of my good buddies live like a couple hours, like they all live in Kansas city for the most part. And I I live in St. Louis. So it's like, do I want to drive back to Kansas city for a weekend? It's like, I, well, I'd have to, you know, take, cause I do a bunch of stuff Sunday morning. So I'd have to, you know, have that stuff covered and I'd still have to, you know, watch the games and I'd still have to be up, uh, you know, doing lineups and making sure the projections are right on Sunday morning. And so it's just, it just becomes very easy to get into like such a, a routine of like, honestly, just like being like such a hermit during the regular season, like Pete, Pete going to NFT NYC in the middle of the football season was, I was just like, Godspeed to you, sir. Like, I can't imagine. This has been like my whole thing, like throughout life is that I, I feel like I have sort of like hermit tendencies and I don't, but I don't like like who I am when I'm being a hermit. So like the, this is like why I live in New York is that you can basically be a hermit. And then like, you need like such little push to just like get out there. Cause if I was in your situation where I like was multiple hour drive away from my buddies, like I'd never see them. So, you know, it's just like, that's such like a, a big barrier um, where, you know, like I, I met up with Pete, um, when he was in town, uh, Eric Belair was in town randomly on a Wednesday. Um, a couple weeks ago, we grabbed drinks. My buddies are all like, like, you know, within a bike ride away, um, or short subway uh, trip away. So it's just like, I'm just, I just like refuse to 
put myself in a situation where like anyone's actually far away. It has to be very easy. And then because it's easy, yeah. I'll end up saying yes to stuff a lot more often than I probably feel like doing. Cause it's just like, I'm drained. Um, so I just, and in general, like even, even in the off season, like you just kind of get in a routine of, you know, like I'm not, I wish I would have like better off season habits of like, you know, just kind of like, but I end up like filling my time with whatever, like last, last year, it's like top shot and crypto stuff. And, you know, so you end up filling your time and you're like, you know, I don't, this is supposed to be the time where you're like out and about enjoying the world, like being social before the season starts. And instead I'm like, I've got to be on the computer still. So I always kind of need uh, the barrier to, to being social to be like as low as possible. And luckily my girlfriend's very social. So like the last few weekends, um, we've been out doing stuff with like some of her work friends and, and that type of thing. So, um, and we have a date night set up Tuesday night every week that we always go out to dinner and we, we hang out like, uh, and do stuff out and about usually Saturday night as well. So that's helpful too, that, that her, um, like commitment to being like social and, and out in the world is, is higher than mine too. That's the, that's the same way it works for me where, where like, I, honestly, I would be, I would be fine living a very like hermetic lifestyle, but my <laughs> girlfriend is like much more social wants to, you know, go into the bars and sit on patios and like all of her friends, you know, live here. So there's always, you know, the, you know, someone's now, I guess now that I'm almost 30, it's like someone's like, you know, baby shower, someone's engagement party. Like it's, it's, it's crap like that instead of, you know, like, whatever you know pre pre-game at john's house bro like it's 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 much you know like th- like that stuff is is much different you know you're going to like housewarmings or or stuff like that instead of just like uh you know much 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 more juvenile pursuits but it is i i actually think that's like a big uh fantasy football nerd thing is we we all end up being with people much more outgoing than ourselves because mm-hmm. it, it, the the alternative would be um you know just all getting pale in our our mom's basements really yeah, I mean the video's on, so you can see I'm already quite pale. It's only November, but I'm actually worried about what February Pat's going to look like. But yeah, I think that's uh, it's pretty it's pretty plus EV to uh, to do fantasy football content and be with a, a social partner. Um, so what about uh, what what was the the NFT stuff? Well, we're all you know we're all trying to draft these these best ball teams and doing we we really missed uh, the the peak the peak mania of of the NFT stuff when we were busy drafting you know our our five dollar best ball teams but what what yeah. uh what was your what was your experience like with with the nft stuff i mean have you been have you been too busy to ape into any of it at all i haven't done it really at all um and it's not like a philosophical thing it's just like um i'm very all or nothing in my approach to stuff like i got really into top shot but that was because there wasn't that much football stuff going on and i could actually like get really into it get get obsessed with it you know have fun doing it with the nft stuff like I know that, well, I don't know anything, um, but my perception is that it's sort of a fast moving thing where like you, you want to be yes. like on a project and then out of that project and onto the next project. And like my approach would be like, you know, if someone could like tell me a thing and then I bought that thing and then I could like check in three, like, you know, maybe let's say like eight weeks later. Yeah. And be like, Hey, like, should I like, what's the deal now? And then they were like, no, you should definitely keep holding it. That's the way these things work. I, that would be perfect for me. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's it's, it's really it's really the opposite of that. It's like if you check eight <laughs> minutes too late, you might have you might have missed your window. I mean, like it, even now when you know these these things are um, they're trend like the the overall volume and interest is is trending down. Um, like even still, there are there are like you know five minute swings where you can definitely you know if you if you click the sell button at the right time or click the buy button at the right time, you can still do well, but. Uh, I, I have bought, I bought one NFT in, in the last month, non, non top shot variety. They, they kind of got me on top shot again. I, I think they, oh, I think they, yeah. yeah, I think they've kind of got their hooks back in me with top shot. I'm back in on top shot. Not like, not like, you know, out in the marketplace, like buying stuff and everything, but I'm in on the pack drops. Um, I, I missed actually the common pack. I, I was in line, but then I missed my QID when I, because I was doing, I was doing my job. So uh, that was a bit of a bummer. Um, but, you know, that's like kind of where I'm at, where I'm like, hey, I want to basically any pack they're dropping, I'm trying to get. I don't even know why. It's just because like I was in before. You know what I mean? It's like they got me. So now I'm still I'm still in on top shot. Um, and I also think like we saw a big pump uh, around the All-Star break last last year it didn't completely die through the NFL season where I thought it might get like really painful. Well, it did did for a little while. I mean, it did, but I, I thought it might get like blood in the streets. Like everything's worth nothing. And like some of the best stuff, like we have um, a LeBron, you know, one of those dunks, not the highest, not the legendary level, but the rare variety. No, we have have a, a John Morant and a Zion. I thought, Sorry, yeah, we have a John Morant and a Zion. I have a LeBron with with Pete and Leon. Okay, um, and that got uh, about to where we bought it, but not below. And so, like, I thought that might be worth like half or a third of what we paid. Like, you know, if it got really bloody. And so, the fact that it didn't makes me feel like, you know, we could be we could be looking at another pump uh, once once it's actually like. You know, once people like me have come up from the basements and like, what are we doing now? Are we buy, <laughs> what are we buying? Um, I think, I think it could be, uh, you know, a much, much brighter outlook for Top Shot once we get to like January or February. But I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like, that could be totally wrong. I mean, I, I think that the, the thing that Top Shot is doing the best to me now is like, there's just like stuff you can do on the site. Like it's kind of fun. Like it's, you know, you, you can complete the sets and they have all these showcase challenges. Like it gives me something to do with all my moments. And it gives me a reason to hold these shitty series three moments that I have. Like I'm buying the maximum amount of packs every time they do mm-hmm. them, even though I know it's nothing. Cause like, Oh, I, I might be able to complete a set. I might be able to complete a showcase challenge. I might need this, uh, Anthony Simons, uh, you know, 60,000 CC or whatever. So like, I don't know. It's just like, uh, cause I, I like to collect stuff anyways. Um, you know, I, I got all this crap all over my house that, and at least, at least when it's, uh, at least when it's digital, I, I don't have to like, look at it, taking up space all the time. Like imagine, imagine like I have these, just these boxes, like boomer cards that I feel far dumber for buying into the boomer cards during the top shot stuff than I do for buying like Darius Garland expensive moms. Oh yeah, Darius Garland, baby. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't get into the the card stuff at all because it's like the barrier. To, it's the reason I'm not into the NFT. I mean, do you know the real reason that I'm not into the NFTs is gas. I just like I did the MetaMask thing. I I set it up. Then like I you know I bought like um, 
I bought some dumb NFT, a, like a, a pudgy that, panda. Yeah. Or something, something like that. Yeah. Something stupid. And you know, it's like, Oh, you have to pay a bunch of money. You have to pay money to like list it. Then if you drop the price, yep. you still like lost the gas that you paid to list it at high. Yeah. Like what? What? Like it's just the whole thing is just brutal and awful. And I understand that like there are millionaires now that, you know, and so it's worth, it's worth figuring it out. Uh, Cause there's a lot of money to be made. Um, those people are sharper than I am, but it's just no, like the, the gas thing. The gas thing is, is totally legitimate and a total barrier to people using Ethereum and a total, total, um, you know, like I, I think a lot of the criticism of Ethereum, especially from the Bitcoin maxis is totally slanted and, and non-justified, but the, but having to pay a shit ton of gas to do anything on the Ethereum network is a total haves and have not situation. You know, someone with a 20 ETH balance can just afford uh, to, to lose a bunch of gas and make all these profitable transactions, but someone with a 0.5 ETH balance like can't really do anything. You, you really can't because you're, you are just losing so much to gas on all your transactions. Yeah, and that makes it like harder for people to get into it. But I also think there's like the mental hurdle of like, you know- Totally you don't if you don't want to deal with that then you're just it's so it's not even like the money aspect it's like in the same way that you know with all the card stuff um you know i, I was hearing like jeremy had like a card advisor you know and like he's you know there's all these things you got to go through to like all these hoops you got to go you got to get the cards checked out you got to get them rated it takes Dude, you a while you literally you literally don't even want to know yeah so like why would i not that like the cost of that is is I mean, the cost of it does sound prohibitive, but it's like the mental energy that I just don't want to spend. And for me, like the whole, you know, NFT thing has been a game of not having the mental energy and like kudos to Pete, who's like doing everything we're doing, but is also like in the NFT streets somehow. I, mean, I swear, like we're going to well, find I out went, that, that dude I has a doppelganger. <laughs> like what? How is he doing this? I I went hard at NFTs for like a month. I had a bunch of you know super cool NFT people on the show. Um, you know, I was minting stuff, and I was just like, the first thing is that the juice became not worth the squeeze because I was just like a little bit late, and and the market got pretty bearish. But then also I was just like, you 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 have an iPhone, right? So you get the you yeah. get the you get the screen time report on Sunday. Oh yeah. And I was like, holy shit, dude, I spent eight hours and 30 minutes on my phone, which, which doesn't even count time spent at my desk. Right. Which does, cause it doesn't count like my computer time. Like, dude, that was an, I was just like, I, I was like, I gotta, I gotta back up. Like I can't, this is not a, this is not a sustainable way to live. And if I lose out on, uh, on some gains, I lose out on some gains. Like it's fine. I don't know if I should tell you this. Um, but if you want to not feel bad about yourself anymore with the screen time report, get one of those, um, wireless chargers that you know you just put the put the phone down on and then you leave the phone screen open because i like and i do this specifically because I, I listen to spotify as i'm writing and i like just being able to like see what song's playing skip the next song but so the screen is on basically every minute that i'm writing but i'm not staring at it no, so I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to hack the system though. I want to know how much time I'm spending <laughs> on my phone. Cause I don't yeah. want to spend that much time on my phone. Like I, I, I declared bankruptcy. Yeah. You are, you are, um, you're not, you're not like Pete and I, that you're into like the life hacks. Like you're not, you're not a life optimization, bro. I, I don't, 
I wish I was like the, the meditation, the sleep, like I know how much better I'd be if I could just like get things under control, you know, in terms of like, like I, I'm getting, I think I'm actually getting like enough sleep, but it's, it's just like, how much, how much um, sleep are you getting? Most nights I'm getting eight hours of sleep. Um, but the problem is then I like, I rob myself of sleep on Thursday night. Um, yeah. and, and so then it's like a catch up game. Um, and then I don't tend to get enough sleep Saturday night. Uh, but then I can sleep in usually Monday. Um, and I can sleep in a little bit on Tuesdays, but then, then I end up being because of that, then I end up being behind. And that's why I'm staying up late on third. So it's like this whole, if I just was in like a perfect habit of like waking up at the same time every day, getting enough sleep every day, then my, my whole schedule would just like make way more sense and just be like less stressful. But, uh, I'm doing it in this like completely haphazard way where I'm still getting everything done. And I think like my total sleep is maybe only like probably like, maybe four or five hours less than it would be over the course of the week. This sounds, but this I, sounds like an I'm organization starting and stopping problem. It. It's an organization problem for sure. Uh, in my defense, I'm doing, you know, this is the first year I've done this and, yeah. uh, and I, I took a big old bite at this article. Um, but yeah, I mean the, uh, the optimization, the life hack stuff, like I need like the first life hack of like figuring out how to establish habits. Cause like my habits are, I just have a hard time establishing any kind of habit that doesn't, it doesn't involve like, like I've been the one thing that I did this, this, uh, this season, which I think has been huge. And I started doing this in the summer is for the first time ever, I'm just going to like, um, like a personal trainer type of type of setup. Um, yeah. Where I just like, I go there, I do a workout. He guides me through the workout. And it's like, I, like I, if I try to cancel last minute, like I haven't, but were I to do that, I would lose the money for that session. So that's not an option. Like I can't that's skip nice. the gym, you know? Cause I would totally, if I had like a gym routine set up, I just skip it a bunch. But because it's like another person who will be like, if you don't come, you're going to have to pay yeah, me Dude, money. what the fuck? Yeah. You gotta <laughs> yeah. pay me anyway. So you might as well come. Yeah. yeah. So I always, I always end up keeping the commitment. If there was like, someone that I, you know, if I had to go somewhere and sleep and he's like, if you're not here in 30 minutes, like you're gonna, <laughs> like then I'd probably, my sleeping would be a little bit more consistent. I don't know. There's no. Well, like, and do you, do you fiddle around on your phone and stuff before bed too? Yeah, I'm good. One thing I'm good about is when I go into my bedroom, like that's, I, this isn't always true, but I, at most I'll probably like, I'll start to I'll start to fall asleep. Something will pop in my head and I'll look at my phone. I'll like check something on my phone and that might keep me up for like at most like 15 minutes, but most yeah. nights that doesn't happen. Most nights, once I go into the bedroom, like I will go to sleep, but I'll stay up for no reason. I'll just, cause like I'll, I'll justify it by saying like, uh, you know, I'm kind of a little wired from like I did the, the Sunday night podcast. Yeah. As soon as I'm done that Sunday night podcast, I should be in bed, but instead I'll end up like catching up on some of the Sunday night game that I missed or just kind of like being on my phone and just in my head, I'm like, I'm winding down from like the long day. And it's like, no, you're not, you're just setting yourself. You're back no, you're week. just on your phone, dude. You're just, you're just, uh, you're just like getting triggered because, uh, yeah. what was the, you know, you're just, you're just getting triggered at people online saying that Mahomes is, is bad or something. 100%. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So 
I don't know. I'm like constantly, there's like each day version of me is like at war with the, with the next one. Like to, the Tuesday and, and Thursday versions get along well, but like the Sunday and Monday versions are in like a death battle with the Tuesday and Thursday versions. Cause I just like refuse to set myself up well on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which are my writing days uh, on, on Sunday and Monday. And I, so, I mean, like there's, I, I would love to be on team life hack. No, but the, the, the thing about the thing about being on team life hack is that lots of really uh, undesirable people are also on team life hack. This is actually the thing I hate the most about even that, that we talk about this stuff on the show. Like, you know, when Peter Holka comes on is that it's a very like tech bro thing to be into. Like, you know, like, oh, dude, I read, I make myself read 30 minutes a day. I meditate 15 minutes a day. I don't eat until noon. Like those are one very good practices, but then two also things that if you like walked into a meeting room in Silicon Valley, like, you know, guys named Tyler would be, you know, they're both named Tyler and they're both telling each other about their, their life hack routines. And like, that makes me like sick to my stomach. Cause I hate finance bros named Tyler. Yeah. Uh, the intermittent fasting I'm on. Um, but yeah. that has become, so I don't know. I mean, maybe if I, and this is actually one of the reasons that I'm frustrated that I haven't gotten into the meditation and like specifically, cause I think that might be the key. If I just like got like into the meditation, then I could like that, that Sunday impulse to stay up late for no reason, I would be able to recognize a little bit more easily and actually stop myself from doing it. Um, so I do think that that's the one, the meditation part of it that I, I really would like to get into partly because the intermittent fasting thing like i don't really intermittent fast i just don't eat until i just don't eat like until one noon. or two that's yeah, yeah. It's not a big I, I i don't even i don't even it's not even like a big life hack anything i just don't i what what i do is i don't eat until i get home from the gym and i've accomplished something so whether it be i meditate when i get home i read I go down to my computer and get 30 minutes of work done, whatever it is. It's just, I don't, I don't eat until I've worked out and until I've accomplished one thing, whatever it may be. That's nice. Yeah. I just, I don't eat until I'm hungry. And I just like, it's some, I'm hungry like, all the time. You don't, you probably don't have that problem. Oh, well, so <clears throat> the thing for me is I don't really get that hungry until I eat. And then it's just, and then like, you're just like, yeah. Yeah. Once, once I break the seal, I can just, I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with the ice cream. I can't, this is another thing I do after like Thursday night. Um, well, usually during Thursday, my Thursday night running session, I'll get like, I'll just order a couple pints of ice cream delivered to the house. It's just like, I'll, I'll sometimes do that Sunday. It's like, yeah, do you do, do you, you what do you, what do you eat on Sunday? I, I always get takeout on Sunday during the games. Like, li like literally probably oh, yeah. 90, 95% of Sundays I get, uh, I was getting Chipotle for a while, but they got rid of the smoked brisket. So I, I bailed, I bailed on that. I, uh, so I've, we've been, we've been getting new stuff. I will often get, there's a, um, a place that is a, I believe it's Japanese but they but they do it's a japanese mexican this is the most place. new york this is so new york dude <laughs> so i will get i i will order like three fish tacos uh chips and guac and then like a salmon uh like it's not quite a bento it's like a salmon rice bowl with uh scrambled eggs and avocado and so i get the the salmon is dinner this is sunday right so like during the games once I've kind of reached the point of like, all right, I'm really hungry. Yeah. I'll order this. I'll like smash the, down the tacos 
have some guac as I'm watching, you know, the, the end of the one o'clock, let's say. And then the, the salmon becomes dinner, which yeah. I, you know, I'll, I'll eat during a break when I'm, when I'm doing the podcast. So I like set myself up for two meals, but I mean, I do a fair amount of takeout throughout the week, to be honest, because that's like one of the things I like li- about living here. Um, I do. I, I do like that. I do it during the year. And also like my, my big thing is I've gotten into a really good workout routine. So I'm like, at best I'm like maintaining, like if I, if I skip takeout meals for a week, I'm like, bro, you're, you're on top of it. But if I, I like, I'm not ever feeling guilty about it. I'm like, whatever. And it's also like, dude, it's why we work so hard is I want to be able to order yeah. takeout whenever I want. Yeah. That, that's always been a struggle. Like me and my girlfriend have she likes to cook more. She likes to go shopping, yeah. you know, like plan yeah. out her meals a little bit more. And I'm just yeah. like, I live here because I can get tacos and the salmon bowl from the same place. Like that's so like take advantage of, take advantage of the, of the, of the progress of the, of the 21st century. Yeah. So I, I like, uh, I love Thai food, you know, uh, I love all the, I like a bunch of different cuisines and stuff that you like, I could never cook. Um, so to me, like not getting to, what am I supposed to live off? Like some boring thing that I've learned how to make the one dish that I like, like if I was Daigle and I could like whip up like all these incredible, like, you know, well, dude, cooking, you're, stuff, you are, sure you're actually, that. this is actually a total bronze age mindset. Like cooking is not hard. You, you are a smart enough guy to cook good food. Like you should not be thinking this way. I'm, I'm actually my a little kitchen. embarrassed. My kitchen is literally a hallway. Okay. That's uh, true. Yeah. New York problems. Like I've got the stove, one counter under, under like our shelves. And then. So it's a, it's a, like, it's a cleaning issue. It's a mess issue. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. The, the opposite counter, we have a toaster on and a drying rack on for, for dishes. And then, the, then there's a sink and that's yeah. it. That's, there's like literally one little area of counter space. So we have a dishwasher here, which is, which is incredible. We never did before, but, um, Overall, I mean, cooking, you, it's not like an enjoyable experience. You know, it's kind of like, it feels like very, like, I think maybe if I could spread out and I could kind of like. Get well, I, I went from it. having, I went from having a, a much smaller kitchen to like, now I live in like a full size burb home. Like I can make a mess. I got, I got two mm-hmm. big counters, you know, I got a big oven. It's like, I, and I always like cooking. Like I'll, I'll like most weeknights I'll, I'll cook. Um, and I enjoy it. And like, also, uh, that's like a, it's a, you know, it's a good mental transition from, I've been at my computer for six, seven hours, been, you know, fucking crunching Dearness Johnson numbers. And now I'm going to like transition back into being like a human being. And that, that's like a good start stop point. Cause you know, another thing when you w- work from home is you kind of feel like you're always working. You kind of feel like in the back of your mind, you're like, I could do this, I could do that. And that's really not healthy. That's just like a stone cold disaster for your mental health. So I, I like having that like transition period. Yeah, that's that's smart. Um, I, I, the, I think the fact that most of my job now is writing allows me to like not, I don't tend to have the, not feel that the nagging sensation of like, you should be writing because the writing, like for me to get into writing, it's like, I need a big block of time and I need, uh, like just to kind of hit that like mental state, like, you know, you, it's probably, is it like the, I don't know what the word is, but there's like, I need to get kind of through the barrier, um, of just like, no, that's know, tinkering what, what around you were, and, and really thinking. 
yeah, what you are saying is is like uh, so that is that is different from um you know, a lot of people's jobs in, in fantasy because they wear so many different hats. That's actually probably an edge uh, to the NBC sports edge stuff is that everyone has very clearly assigned roles because it's such a big company. Yeah, it, it's nice in that, like, I mean, I have, I do dynasty rankings and stuff. So there's, there is some additional work that, that's beyond this article plus the new shifts. But um, for the most part, it's like, if there's something for me to do, it's like part of getting this big article done. And um I kind of know like when my set times are to do that. Uh, at the same time, it can start to feel very challenging. If like, if it's Wednesday, Wednesday, I have that new shift until one. Um, I do the podcast, uh, part of our preview, two part preview podcast. I'm on the Wednesday show. That's at three. I prep for the podcast from one to three. Um, post that I'll usually go to the gym we have ship chasing that night. We also have all the our FFPC waivers that run. So like, you know, probably from like five to about ship chasing, it's like dinner plus look at all the waivers and everything. So there's not really a block to get writing done. Yeah. So, so, so I have, and I mean, I'm of course like ship chasing is amazing and everything, but I don't know how you guys do that. Cause I, I told, I told Pete this the other day when we were doing the show, it's just like, dude, after five o'clock, like I just, am, I'm not doing like, and I tell this to everyone, like I get asked to do these shows all the time. And like, I get asked to do shows by people who have like real jobs. So they got to do it after five. And I'm like, look, dude, this is just a rule for me. Like I got to be off the clock at some point. Like I can't, cannot be at my computer at nine o'clock at night. Like it just is such a disaster for me. Yeah. That's uh that's not my life. Cause I'm doing the, the Sunday pod. I do Daigle and I do. A, yeah. We a do the Gilcast Sunday night too. Yeah. Um, our waiver wire podcast is, is a uh, halftime of Monday night football. I have ship chasing Wednesday night. Um, and then I'm writing basically all Thursday night. So, I mean, I don't, I don't ever want you guys to not do ship chasing uh, drunk at, at, you know, nine o'clock <laughs> at night. Like it would be like, I, I need to have that show. Um, so I never want to encourage you not to do that, but uh oh like yeah dude your routine sounds crazy to me like it's it's a nut yeah like the more i talk about it the crazier it sounds to me too yeah it's it's bananas what am i doing um but like part of it comes down to the fact that like some of this feels like work and some of it doesn't feel like work um and ship chasing does not feel like work at all yeah like i'm i'm working with you right now this is part of my job but like you're just my buddy and we're just catching up and that's really nice to have that as a thing Exactly. This is a break from work for me. Um, and a lot of the podcasting stuff feels like that. Like the, I, I didn't even think of the Wednesday preview show that I do when I was like talking about what I have to do that week, because it doesn't feel like work. You know, it's like, that's a break from work is that I, I get to do the podcast, the, the waiver wire show, you know, I can't do, you know, I can't write Monday nights really. Um, which, you know, but there's not that many stats, like a lot of stats aren't really out until Tuesday yeah. or not fully out. Right. Yeah, so big time. it's not a great writing block anyway. And that doesn't feel like work at all. The Sunday show doesn't feel like work. Any of the podcast stuff really doesn't feel like work, which is, you know, your, your move to kind of go more to TV and audio. It's like super sharp because I mean, it, it, if you feel like I do, like, well, look, you just do taking it. work off your plate. And the, the, the thing that, the thing that is the best about audio and TV is you just do it. There's, you're not, you're not rewriting. You're not like researching while you're doing it. You're not flipping back in between tabs. Like you just, you're just doing it. Um, which, uh, which is, 
and and I'm better at it. Like I was a decent fantasy football writer, certainly better, um, you know, 10 years ago when it was like I like got super excited to write every article about, you know, every backup chargers tight end or whatever. Um, <laughs> Ladarius green. Yeah. Ladarius green. I probably wrote like three articles about Ladarius green, you know, which is like <laughs> completely, completely unnecessary, but it's just, uh, you know, it's like my, I'm much more passionate and I find much more enjoyment out of talking and being on camera and stuff. Yeah. I like, I like both the, the podcasting and in um, the video stuff is definitely easier it's more fun um but i think the writing like i think the writing makes me better you know like you're and writing a really good article feels great like knowing like this is really good like this is going to help people like this will be something i can link for years like that's it's the best yeah and, and because you have to like go check things you know it's like i can't put this in writing like i'll often with the walkthrough I'll like write something or kind of outline something. And then I'll like go check the numbers and be like, Nope, that's wrong. And then you go back and you, you adjust and you edit and you actually, so I think whereas like when you're at least when I'm doing like podcasts and stuff, you know, you're, you have a take, but you can't like literally be checking every single number as you're going. So like sometimes you'll fire off something and then later you're like, that might've been wrong, (laughs) you know? Right. And so with, with the article, I think, it's just a little cleaner to where the stuff that's going out is stuff that I've double and triple checked and stuff that I feel really confident about. Um, it loses, you know, some of the fun, some of the camaraderie, you know, some of the enjoyment from the audience at times. Like, you know, I, personally, I like reading a lot less than listening to a, a podcast. I probably trade some of the, the actionable stuff occasionally uh, for, for that type of, uh, for that type of content. But the same time, like from producing it, I think I'm ultimately like better prepared than I would be. Oh, for uh, sure. My own DFS stuff. Um, but I guess like at what cost? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have that one cause I get, I get really ready for the week working on projections. So, so we're doing this on Tuesday. Right. Tuesday is my projections day. So I go and like, you know, for example, today I'm like, how many routes did Tyree Jackson run versus Jack Stoll? Like I'll be ready to talk about that on the school cast on Wednesday. Cause I had to go look that up cause I'm projecting Dallas Goddard out for this week or, uh, you know, uh, AJ Dillon's role. Like how much is Patrick Taylor? Gonna, like I just, all those things I have to go look and figure out on Tuesday morning. Cause I have to go get the, the projections up and running, which is, um, I mean, that's actually, I, I thought I would actually kind of hate that. Like I, I never really thought of myself as being like a projections guy, but it's actually been, rather nice. Like it's actually, it's actually cool to, um, to have all that stuff and to, to know all that stuff and see how, see how that's going to impact the week. Yeah. My process is really like, it's kind of like I'm doing my own projections, but then, but I'm, instead of putting them into projections, which would actually be faster and I could get it out earlier, (laughs) I'm like writing out, you know, basically kind of how I think this, how I think each of these games are going to go in a way that's like actually consumable for people. So then I get it out later, but like, that's, that's kind of a similar thing where like, you know, a lot of the opinions that I have are basically going to be informed by digging through these same numbers. And, you know, it's like exactly what you said. Like I go look at like AJ Dillon's role. Um, I go look at Tyree Jackson's role, et cetera. You use his full, his full name, AJ Dillon league winner. That's right. AJ Dillon league. We got James Conner and AJ Dillon in like the same, uh, seven day stretch. Pretty, pretty big. 
Well, what, dude? Zero RB. Well, zero RB is just going to become the norm, I think. Like, well, not zero RB. Hero RB is going to become the norm. People are people are done taking after what uh, you know, like what Chris Carson and James Robinson and stuff have done this year. I think people are just done with with the David Montgomery types. Like, I, I think next year we are going to see the wide receiver thirty six go off at, at like the 501 or something like I think I think we are really in for a revolution I don't know I mean I think I could also see people go the other way RBRB I I wonder if RBRB gets a lot more because this year it seemed like it was zero running back here running back or just like I'll do whatever I want at running back thank you very much yeah but there wasn't there wasn't like a like because this year, the ADPs weren't that sharp for the wide receiver. Sharp's wrong. They, they weren't that accurate for the early round wide receivers. Yeah, um, tur- turns out Cooper Cup and, C- and Debo Samuel should have been first round picks. Exactly. So if you – and that, so there are plenty of busts among the early round running backs, as usual. But the early round wide receivers didn't dominate. So like just kind of getting out alive with a couple running backs, and then if you were able to hit on – wide receivers through those middle rounds like the dead zone you know has never been deader to your point but um i i do wonder if you know some people will see like and i as a as someone who did a lot of one running back and zero running back i mean it hasn't been like an absolute smash because there's just been so much chaos overall and you needed to hit on the guys you, like you needed Cup. you needed to hit on the right players because even the right strategy like the the difference between starting um uh, Jonathan Taylor and I don't know, second Jonathan Taylor, or Justin Jefferson, right? The the right. difference between starting that and starting uh, Saquon Calvin Ridley is like like that. The yeah. Saquon Calvin Ridley team is totally dust. The JT Justin Jefferson team is doing fine. Um, or if you took Brandon Ayuk in the fifth round instead of Debo Samuel in the fifth round, like or or if you right. took if you took T instead of Chase, or if you took James Robinson instead of Daryl Henderson, like it, this is totally. Uh, it, this is a year where we are being reaffirmed in a lot of the things we think structurally, but it was, this might be the most pick the right players year I can ever remember in fantasy. The other thing with the zero running back stuff is that we're finally getting like the true league winners, like AJ Dillon, it depends how long Jones is out, but AJ Dillon is like the classic zero running back guy where he was going right in the range in ADP, we all identified him as like the clear potential league winner. Now he is going to about to be a league winner, but it happened a little late in the James yeah. Connor thing. It happened a little late, you know, and the Ramondre Stevenson, like that happened late. Like it's all happening. It's happening somewhat a little late. late. We're getting, we're getting like the earnest wasn't really drafted. He's more of a waiver wire guy. Um, there's been some guys, but I mean, Eli Mitchell, dude, Eli Mitchell is Eli actually, Mitchell. Eli Mitchell is actually going to be one of the biggest, win league winners but he did miss what three weeks with injury i think and so so and also wasn't drafted right but i'm just i'm just saying in terms of like you know this year's james robinson or whatever i don't really know if there is one that's going to provide these gargant well actually it's cordero patterson patterson is actually he's actually the james robinson but wasn't even a running back on some of the platforms um not not on not a wide receiver on underdog yeah although he's still like I think gonna have a huge win right over there, but yeah. For, um, well, I mean, yeah, if you can get the wide receiver 10 with your 18th round, I, I think I saw Rudman tweet that less than a thousand teams even drafted Patterson. 
in, in best ball mania. Maybe that's wrong. Don't, don't hold no. me to that, but I'm pretty certain. Uh, Cause people were drafting Quadre Olison. Yeah. That, and Gallman. people, including me. Cause yeah. I was like, there's going to be value in this backfield. I, I, I think I took <clears throat> Patterson three times, but I definitely took Olison more than that. Yeah. I, I, I was mad at myself. I had the realization like the day before the season, like, Oh God, it was always Patterson. It was. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, because it's just one of those things where because he wasn't listed as a running back on underdog, I was like, well, I can't consider him. And then what a stupid thing to think. Of course you can consider him in real life. He's a running back. I'm messing with my optimal build. Yeah. I don't need another wide receiver. I need to, I need to get Tevin Coleman here so that I can get (laughs) the five running backs. Uh, I kind of prefer Ty Johnson. (laughs) <laughs> hey ty johnson dude you're two big late round crushes lots of usable weeks out of ty johnson and ramondre that's that's true although the ramondre i didn't even get as on in best ball as i as i wanted to you know more, more dynasty you know, in season long you know who is my best player this year my like in terms of how much i drafted them and, and what they're doing for me who daryl just smashing just smashing yeah. I, and even pringle too uh you know making up for uh dude pringle yeah where do, where do you think hardman goes in the in underdog next year where do you think mccall hardman goes in like 15th round 16th yeah yeah just wait wait for tyreek to like hurt his hammy or something in the preseason and we literally do it again <laughs> like hardman. Think you were gonna tell hardman on this pod <laughs> no it's just like it's just like i feel like he's gonna play eight years with the kansas city chiefs and never produce anything somehow yeah, well, I, I don't think he'll play eight years for the Kansas City Chiefs, Davis. Not unless something changes. I hope it's looking not. like a let's like a four, a hard cap on four right now. Yeah, uh, let's see. What well, let's uh, let's talk about this this auction league where I'm trying to chase Wait, you one, down. Sorry, can we pause? I gotta I gotta pee. So I gotta I gotta talk to you about this auction league that we're in, where you and I are in. We are in a, a tank off. For for the ages, except we're not. Did you see what happened to my team this last week? Uh, I didn't. I I led the league in scoring after after trading away all my players. <laughs> That's so great, uh, Davis. Like for the audience here, he sent me these DMs of like I traded away everyone, and you stand. He's just like listing off players that I still have that are going to score me points, and I was just like so angry and tilted i didn't even reply <laughs> i really i really thought i really thought i had you like i thought like you know you got ramondre giving you some points you got jordan love you know randomly starting a game and like i i really thought uh i really i really thought i had you and just owned just i i just i just ate a 14 from albert wilson like i've just oh, been man. i've just been owned i mean the team that that davis thought was not going to finish last my team at running back has Mike Boone, DJ Dallas, Michael P. Ryan, and Ramondre Stevenson. That's it. <laughs> that team has to finish last in a in a best ball league, doesn't it? I it it does. Michael Thomas uh really really screwed this this rebuild over for you. I mean, not not more than Clyde Edwards Hilaire screwed every dynasty team I have. I mean, the what the fact mean? the fact that I know that I took CEH over CD Lamb on on all of these teams is like honestly it's it feels like one of the biggest errors of my life. Yeah, that that's not ideal. But I don't have Michael Thomas. I traded him to JJ. You, oh, amazing! There I you go. T. Higgins. I got. I think it was like Michael Thomas in a third for T Higgins in a second before the season. Okay, let's let's end with this. I th- I don't know if your Trey Lance take is correct in in Dynasty. Oh I don't, yeah, the people hated it. 
I, I, I got what you were saying in the sense that Trevor Lawrence has been worse than expected as a passer. Urban Meyer might have done enough to keep his job for next year. Wilson has been a disaster. Um, Fields has been better, but still overall, it's just like weird vibes. And then Mac Jones seems like a good NFL quarterback, but like he's going to be, he's basically going to be Kirk Cousins for fantasy, even if he is good. Um, and they don't have enough talented playmakers to elevate a Kirk Cousins style quarterback to like big fantasy relevance right now. So my take, by the way, is that Trey Lance is the clear quarterback one of the 2021 rookie class in dynasty. And I, I think that the reason why you can say that is because he's not been disappointing yet. We haven't seen him play for six weeks and suck. And I, I actually think my take would be, I think I'd take fields first out of all of them because fields has played the bears don't have a first round pick to replace him. There's going to, I I would think probability would suggest there's going to be a new coach. And I would assume a new general manager and the new coach and general manager would presumably be people who wanted to work with Justin Fields and like saw something in fields that would make them want to go to Chicago. So I, I feel like on the balance of probability, I'd rather have Fields. Yeah. Fields is the, I think he's two ahead of Lawrence. Um, yeah. And the, the thing with Fields, though, is it's like a parlay where you need them to get rid of Nagy because he's not going to hit his That's happening. In that I, I feel extremely – that's happening. I think it probably will happen, but it's not like a 100% chance. Then you yeah. also need them to not do like the Matt Patricia hire, which like teams yeah. do. They do this yeah. stupid Matt Patricia hire where you're just going to get – you know, it's like the same exact thing, but it's like they just – decided that the owner decided the team wasn't tough enough or whatever. That's the problem. Not that they are wasting their first round pick at quarterback. Um, hap- like it happens all the time that a suboptimal hiring decision is made. I mean, I think that clearly happened in Jacksonville. Uh, so, you know, you can't rely on them to like hire Dayball because if they hire Brian Dayball fields, I think is now or Kellen Moore or, or Kellen, Kellen Moore. Moore. Yeah. Then, then I think he's, then he's the clear, quarterback one because I think he's better than Trey Lance. I mean, he looks really good when he's been given a chance, although he's, he's, he's also been inaccurate at times, but he's looked pretty good. Uh, I, I actually don't know if he's really been all that inaccurate. It just seemed, I I'm more worried about the decision-making stuff, like just some of these weird interceptions that he's thrown. Like I, I, I don't actually have too much. Cons- like I have more concern about Lance figuring out how to accurately deliver passes um than i that i do with field uh i do too yeah i think lance has been a little bit shaky as a passer to me the lance take comes down to they're not going to get rid of shanahan they're that's like a zero percent chance that shanahan gets fired they just took the guy uh number three overall they're not and he's shown enough they're not yeah but isn't don't you think it's weird that all these reports are coming out that he actually wanted mac jones and that he felt like he kind of like got bullied into taking trey lance i I thought that was a weird article i missed this article but also like who would have bullied him so they apparently he did the trade thinking they were going to take mac jones and then basically the coverage of that trade what was it a month in between the trade and the draft Mm -hmm. apparently the the all the media coverage was like, it would be so absurd to trade up for Mac Jones that it has to be Fields or Lance. And that and apparently Shanahan like bought into that. <laughs> I don't buy that, but uh, I mean, whatever. He made his bed. He had, he yeah, he made his bed. Three. 
but so he but he does this to... stuff, dude. You know, trades up for Joe Williams or and, you know all these injured players. Like they just do this. This is stuff. the third pick overall. Like they're not going to just like cut bait on the third pick because that's how you get yourself fired. That's how because yeah. he's basically like you know they're he's tied together with Lynch. Um, they're gonna have to clean house to get rid of Shanahan, right? You don't like Shanahan basically like picked Lynch, so they're tied together. Lynch doesn't want to lose his job over this pick. Like they're going to, they're going to ride it out with Lance. And my thing with dynasty is like, if you're worried that maybe in 2023 or 2024, they like, they decide a little earlier, you know, ahead of schedule, this isn't working. You know, I get that, but that's like two years from now. We don't have to worry about that right now. What we have to think about right now is what are the chances? That well, Kyle the big Shannon problem is now is that Jimmy looks good. It's a real problem that Jimmy looks good right now. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's what are the chances that Shanahan gets fired, which I think are very low. What are the chances that Jimmy starts next year ahead of the number three overall pick? Lower than your original tweet said. Okay. That's, that's definitely a concern. If Jimmy's not the starter and we're getting a full season of Lance, like how is Lance not like yeah, I mean, at if Jimmy least is, like a if, eighth or, or ninth round. If redraft. Jimmy is in like Indianapolis or something, then yes, yeah, you're 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 too completely correct, or or Houston or whatever. Yeah, or, or so Philadelphia. Lance, yeah, it, exactly. There's a ton of places that you go. Um, if Lance is, you know, and and by the way, when I say like eighth or ninth, I think that's like basically his floor. I mean, if we're excited about Lance, if he comes in and shows a little bit more than he did. And he's locked in as the starter entering 2022. Then I think it pretty reasonably be like a sixth round redraft pick. And at that point, like you're, you're talking about just like, you're talking about someone who's going to be like a first round startup pick at that point. Right. So, I mean, and like of, comfortably first, a lot of forecasting on him though. What's the forecasting? I mean, I, I think his, like I think his range of outcomes, given what we know about him as a passer seems more like Jalen Hurts's range than, than like Lamar Jackson's range, but maybe that's wrong. If I knew for a fact that Jalen Hurts was going to be a starter in 2022, right, maybe like the, an early second round. Spin, yes. Uh, but that's dynasty? the thing is you, you, you can't know that. You can't know that for Hertz, and I don't know if you can know that for Lance either, because it just, it just, it's also weird. The everything with the 49ers is weird, right? That's that's really the problem with evaluating their players, other than Kittle, is like just it's stuff. Like I mean, Ayuk, like right, like Ayuk, great player. They take him high, he smashes, and apparently he's behind River Crackraft in the offseason. It's just like what, like why, why does Shanahan do this stuff? It's so bizarre. They take Trey Sermon in the third round and they're playing him behind you, Michael Hasty. Like what, what is the deal? Yeah. Uh, well, the deal is that Trey Sermon was, you know, kind of the same prospect as Eliza Mitchell and, you know, just the draft, the draft costs happened to go in Sermon's favor. And then the training camp went in Mitchell's favor. Like, I, to me, like a coach taking a running back in the third round and the sixth round who are like pretty similar prospects, probably lean towards Sermon. And then deciding quickly, nope, I like the guy in the sixth round better. That makes me think the coach is sharp. Why would yeah. you stay committed to the third round running back over the sixth round guy is clearly better? Running back doesn't really matter that much. Well, be nimble. Well, what if Jimmy is playing better than Lance? You know, then it's a problem. 
The the thing with yeah, Jimmy, but we have a sample on Jimmy. Like some the of thing with Jimmy with is not too. that he's bad; it's that it's that he gets hurt. I mean, Jimmy is like an eight point one YPA guy for his career. Yeah, the thing with Jimmy, like when you look at some of these advanced numbers, they do like Jimmy, but like, but you watch I, him and you're this like, is I the don't classic I know better example yeah. of like, no, Jimmy's not it. Yeah. he's not it. Yeah, so I, you know, you're. It's a it's a good point. The biggest way this fails is like Jimmy. They make, they, they, they make the starter. playoffs. They make the playoffs. They win two two road playoff games, and like I don't know, are you are you benching Jimmy for Trey Lance after making the NFC cha- conference championship? Like I don't know, probably not. What's like the what's the true bear case on Lance? Like how do you not get your money back on Lance if you if you invest? Because even in that scenario, does Lance never start for the 49ers? Do that he's that he's drawing love. The, the, the bear case, the bear case on Lance is that he's Jordan love and that he's got all these physical tools and the team gets him in camp and he just can't figure it out. He can't throw accurately enough. Can't learn the pre-snap stuff. And just, I mean, the, there was no difference between the Jordan love first game and the Trey Lance first game. Um, other than that, Lance ran a ton, but they they basically gave him a, a UDA. Yeah, other than that little detail, which makes the whole well, no, for fantasy that's different, but from a, a coaching perspective, it's it's the same. They gave him they gave them a, a, the Mike White game plan, right? Of just keep things simple as possible, try not to get boat raced. Um, that was the that was the plan with with Trey Lance. Yeah, that's it's true that they had a simple game plan, but I think that's like why I'm so excited about Trey Lance is that they deployed a game plan that utilized specific him. for him yeah it, it's built completely around him it's doesn't look anything like the jimmy garoppolo offense i mean the whole thesis of the play with lance is that shanahan's smart enough to use this guy the way he should be used whereas with fields we had like honestly i think we were we weren't concerned enough about how bad i went i went the other way i thought Nagy was like such a mega mind and he had all those good game plans with mitch Trubisky. like i i totally went the other way i i remember thinking like what if what if Nagy's actually a good coach and it was all these terrible quarterbacks holding him back which was you know looks laughable now um yeah it's mitch the might opposite. be like a, mitch might be like a a Tannehill level starter what if in a couple what of if, years dude? yeah what if like i mean we like after watching after watching fields in this Nagy offense i'm like starting to have doubts about if if uh trubisky's actually that bad me too me too so yeah i, I think fields like definitely has the the upside as well and i would i would definitely take fields over lawrence at this point because we haven't seen much running from lawrence i don't think anything's changing no, lawrence next lawrence year. has been lawrence has been running enough i don't i don't think to make up for this off this offense not to not to make up not to make up for the offense but but more enough to make me feel comfortable that in a competent offense trevor lawrence is going to add you 280 rushing yards and four touchdowns on average every season of his career until he gets into his thirties. The way the super flex market works though, like if you have a guy who's like a solid quarterback, like if you've got a Tannehill, it's like, you know, even if, even if Tannehill was a lot younger, like, you know, if you've got um, like a, like a Mayfield where Mayfield kind of settled in at, uh, even be, let's say before this year, because I feel like every year we, we have less and less interest in Mayfield, but yeah. That's kind of the comp, right, for Lawrence in some ways, is that, like, he's a little bit mobile, but he just, like, he's already starting to disappoint. If you can see the value draining out of Trevor Lawrence as a, as a superplex asset, as we just, like, start to become more and more concerned about his ability to hit a ceiling. Is he just a guy who's going to fill a quarterback spot for you? 
because he's going to do that for at least four years, probably longer. But if that's all he is, then like taking him over a guy like Fields, who could be, you know, a star for fantasy at the position or a guy like Lance, who, you know, his initial rollout somewhat resembles Lamar Jackson as well, where Lamar Jackson was used not in this incredible fantasy role, but in a very limited passing role in his rookie season. Then they completely designed the offense around him with Greg Roman in the second year. Uh, so it's not a perfect comp because they they were kind of still using the Joe Flacco offense with Lamar in his rookie year. But like, I, I guess I'm just not that scared off by a rushing quarterback coming in, having a very limited um, passing game plan around him, because if they don't roll with Lance next year after t- trading up to take this guy, it's not like he fell in their lap. They yeah. trade up. They bet the franchise on this guy. They get like a game and a half out of them and they decide like, nah, we, we're going to stick with Jimmy. Like that is such, I mean, if, if, uh, if Shanahan had people getting in his head about Mac Jones versus Trey Lance, I don't think he's going to be able to handle the criticism of not starting Trey Lance in year two after trading up for him. So I guess like that is definitely the, the downside case, but even in that case, it's hard for me to believe that he won't be their starter in 2023. And I'm very skeptical. He's not starting for them in 2022 and you're also still looking to hit this parlay with fields where they don't hire some idiot coach because if they hire you know whatever yeah but imagine imagine the the payout if if fields gets kellen moore or dayball or or even greg roman yeah Yeah, you're right if he gets uh to me it's it's dayball or more uh above roman because i think roman in some ways would like limit him too much the other way uh, no. And they tended to be slow, but, 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 but it would be, it would be so much better than what they're doing now. Uh, yes, it, it would. It would. But I think Dayball would be like a, a particularly Dayball. I just think is so sharp. Um, even, like even Joe Brady, level. dude, even Joe Brady, to be honest. Yeah. 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 I, there's a ton of great uh, choices. I, I'll be so disappointed if they go with, you know, they're going to hire Tony Dungy. They're going to bring him off. They're going to bring him off the set, you know, good, good winner. Jay Loves, Gruden. Yeah, Jay. Jesus Christ. Oh, dude, I hate football sometimes. I really, I really do. Um, let's see. Uh, I, there was, oh, would you would you be trying to buy the, the absolute floor of Zach Wilson? Would you be like trying to ship second round rookie picks for Zach Wilson in Superflex Leagues? Or are you just like letting him, letting him go? No, I think you should. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the comps are um, Trubisky, Bortles. You know, Bortles had a disastrous rookie season, right? Had a decent second year, which people weren't like in on after. They, you know, everyone was still pretty skeptical of Bortles, Bortles after a second year. But then he got, I think, another year and a half as a starter. And just being able to fill that quarterback spot with like someone who's okay is like, pretty valuable now Wilson is not okay like at this point you'd, you'd rather like be playing a wide receiver in the in the super flex than Wilson because he's been so so bad but I still think you know for a second round super flex pick like that's not actually that valuable of an asset um so yeah I think it's kind of a no-brainer to try to buy the floor on Zach Wilson even though in most cases you're burning that pick but in most cases you're burning that pick when you make the selection um and, you know, the payoff is, is not like a, 
a starting NFL quarterback. Those those are very, very tough to find. All right. Well, so was a, I think we just talked for like two hours. I don't even, I don't even know. That was a long time. I hope the, I hope the people are, are into it. Um, so tell people about all these things that are destroying your schedule and, and where to find them and where to listen <laughs> to them, sir. Yeah. kind of covered it all as we, as we went, but the big ones, uh, the Friday walkthrough, which, uh, comes out on Friday on NBC sports edge. Uh, it's a, um, you know, I go through each matchup and I, and I preview the, uh, the Sunday and, and Monday game. I don't do the Thursday game. Um, although next week for Thanksgiving, I will be doing a walkthrough on Wednesday morning that will cover the Thursday, uh, Thanksgiving slate. So I do have you covered for Thanksgiving, but otherwise it's just uh, Sunday and Monday each week. And yeah, still doing ship chasing every Wednesday at nine 15 Eastern. Uh, we got various, uh, NBC sports edge pods that I'm on the recap podcast. I would encourage people to listen to comes out late Sunday night, early Monday morning. We go through every game from the one o'clock and four o'clock slate. Um, for everyone that covered it for, for blurbing purposes comes on and talks to me about what happened. And I, I think that's always like a, a fun one to get any missing context. We, we cover stuff like, you know, DPIs and stuff that got called back for holding and how people look. So it goes a little beyond the stats, but, but yeah, just uh, in the thick of it here. There we go. Everyone follow Pat Corrine uh, and uh, read, read all the things that he spends all his time on so that he can, he can go to <laughs> sleep at night me. knowing he, he just so that he knows when he goes to sleep at night, that he did, that he did good work and that he matters here <laughs> in our world. And uh, we'll be back next week.